Andrew, it has been uh, the last time you and I put out a pod was April 11th. God has it. Yeah. I think so. We we've almost missed an entire season of recording. Pretty much. I mean, right around that time. So uh, thanks to everybody who still cares about this podcast. All seven of you. (laughs) All seven of you. But uh, yeah, since then, uh, a lot has happened since then, uh, at least for me. I know for you as well, but a big part of why I slowed down on it just personally was at work, a lot of people started leaving. So I got more responsibility and I've just been really busy. We both have had a lot of shit going on. It'd be kind of fun to catch up on. So why don't I just throw this out there? You went to Alaska and Anime Expo since I last talked to you on the podcast. Uh, and, and Birmingham. I also went to oh, Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, got, I, got, I got you on my rundown. I got target number one, Andrew in Alaska and Anime Expo. Target number two, yeah. USFL and haters. <laughs> That's what I, I I might be included in that group, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> no. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I've, I've had a lot of traveling uh, being done the last few months and also a lot of work stuff uh, shifting between different schools uh, yeah. as well and kind of re reorganizing my priorities. But yeah, I, I traveled to two states that I've never been to and I returned to a convention that hasn't been going on for about three years, which is anime expo because of COVID they hadn't had it in that m- amount of time. So I've, I've been doing a lot of traveling, which I'm thankful for because I had not traveled really at all the past few years for obvious reasons. And I'm, I'm finally gotten back into it. That's no, good to hear, man. So besides Alaska, what was the other state that you'd never been to? Alabama. Sweet oh, that's Alabama. right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so tell us why you went to Bama and tell us about these haters. <laughs> As I mentioned, I might be one of them. No. Um, so there's been – we've talked a lot about the NFL on this podcast, obviously. We, we've mentioned the NFL. We've touched slightly on college football here and there. But one of the growing movements right now is the onslaught of spring football. And this year, Birmingham, Alabama – decided that they were going to host an entire season of the USFL for a lot of people, for older people, it's the USFL was a spring league that existed from 1983 to 1986 and had a bunch of teams in a bunch of different markets. And there's their essential goal was to challenge the NFL by giving huge payouts to players, guys like Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker, Steve Young, uh, Reggie White, whole bunch of guys that they had in their entire league. And for a while it worked. It actually worked. They got great ratings. They got notoriety. They actually were starting to look like a legit league. And then they decided that it'd be a smart idea to move to the fall. And they promptly were outbid and out crushed by the NFL at that point. So they went away forever. Their copyrights were bought by Fox, by Fox uh, sports and entertainment and basically, they decided that they were going to revive the league and host an entire season in Birmingham. Why host an entire season in Birmingham? Cost measures. They did not want to spend money. They did not want to travel. This essentially became a hub city for spring football the, from April until literally this last Sunday when they had their championship game on July 3rd. So there's been a lot going on in that spectrum, which for some people 
has been sort of a, a rocky adventure. I'm sure if some people who do watch football ha- noticed leagues like the AAF and the XFL go underwater in the last couple of years because of various reasons. And this is another spring league trying to make its name. But unlike those other two instances, I do think that there's actually fertile ground for this. And this is also not going to be the only spring league that is going to be existing in the near future. What other spring leagues are we talking about that are going to exist? So the XFL is coming back next year. Uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson and his ex-wife, Danny Garcia bought the rights to the league from Vince McMahon out of bankruptcy for about $15 million. And tied into that is also a, a firm called Redbird capital who is going to be investing a lot of their resources into the financial stability of this league. And they are going to be reviving the, the XFL, the version that was in 2020 that got shut down by COVID and bringing it back. Now, there are a lot of things going on here as far as we're not sure what the team names of the cities are. We know the ones from 2020, and there may be some of them that carry over into this new league. But there's also been reporting that there's going to be new cities or teams that are moving to different cities. Mm. So some of the new team, some of the new cities that were not included in the original one are San Antonio, Las Vegas and Orlando. And yeah, so they're going to be moving shop to a different place. There are also going to be a lot of new head coaches. Uh, If you are an NFL fan, you will absolutely recognize some of the names that are going to be in this league. There will be Heinz Ward. He's going to be a coach, a head coach in this league. Rod hmm. Woodson. Rod Woodson's going to be a head coach in this league. Okay. Uh, former Oklahoma Sooners head coach Bob Stoops, who was in the original XFL, the or not the original one, I should say, the second one in 2020 with the Dallas Renegades. He's also returning as well. Okay. You're going to have some new faces. You're going to have Terrell Buckley. He was also a player in the NFL. Yep. And... The names, some of the names, all the names of the coaches have been released at this point. Uh, Jim Hazlitt, another one, defensive coordinator for the, at the time, the Redskins. You're going to have June Jones, who's apparently going to come back as an offensive coordinator. He was a head coach, and he's coming back as an offensive coordinator in this version of the league. So you're going to have a lot of different names that people will recognize that are going to be involved with this. Obviously, the biggest one being The Rock. That's just international global brand mm-hmm. the rock is and the fact that he owns a league uh, if people are familiar with his story he was trying to get in the nfl in the mid 90s couldn't quite cut it got into the cfl was cut from the calgary stampeders and essentially left with seven dollars to his name and then basically decided to go into wrestling and re repurposed himself into a superstar in the wrestling federation and then basically became a huge movie star. So for him, this is an opportunity to give chances to guys who aren't quite NFL material or just on the cusp or just didn't quite have the right opportunities in college or high school or whatever. Yeah. And are able to be able to get back into the league or get into the league Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. I, I, the most exciting thing about it is just like having more football, but also just, you know, experiment like it's a it's a chance for experimentation to happen. It's a chance for players to develop. 
Uh, there's a lot of really cool possibilities that will never happen in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. That could happen here. And, you know, it is a potential developmental league where you kind of see what – I don't think it will be the same as the G League in the NBA, but maybe it can become that where eventually we get some players that move on from these spring leagues into the NFL and actually contribute in some, you know, impactful ways. That's pretty That's pretty cool, man. Um I wish we had talked a little bit more or potted about when you went down there because uh, I got to watch you on, on YouTube uh, live stream, which was pretty cool. Since last time we potted, I did visit you afterwards in California, and uh, we had a conversation about some haters. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to tell everybody about, about the haters. So I just want to let everyone know Andrew actually writes. Uh, he blogs uh, about the spring leagues, and they're actually read by – not just his friends. They're actually read by people who follow this stuff. Uh, and so that's where this hater conversation comes from. <laughs> I, l- let's be real. I'm just, I'm a meme lord disguised as a writer, but I, I, I like to sort of poke the bear here and there. No, um, I see. I had a couple of instances with some of the fans from the USFL side. What I've, what has been fascinating to me yeah. in all of this alternative football league covering is that there's a lot of tribalism. Oh yeah. A lot of, I mean, we, we see that in the NFL, of course, too, with teams and coaches and players and all that. It exists at this level too. It's not a stranger to people who follow Canadian football or the USFL this season or this, or the XFL. It doesn't really matter. It seems like, or even FCF fan controlled football, all these other leagues, there seem to be just like these camps of people who really ardently believe in what they're doing and just very much do not want to accept or inspire or grow or get inspiration from other places. Yeah. Like I, it's, it's kind of been baffling to me. I've been challenged by some people, especially the Birmingham stallion contingency, because I wrote an article about how their capabilities as a host city weren't really up to snuff, which there's been, there's been some sort of reporting that that was kind of a kind of an only option for Fox to do is for the, the hub season. And based on the ability to draw people consistently in the city, it was difficult for a number of reasons that I listed in my article. And I just had basically Birminghamites challenge me to say, to, to see, to see if I would crack or not. But like I I've, we've had, I mean, I've had debates over TV ratings player development <laughs> optics. I, I, how many people are in the stands, like counting the people in the stands. This is, it's been, sometimes it's just absolutely asinine. It's just stuff that I don't even want to get into because there's so much like grandstanding about how great your league is. Right. To the point where you don't even want to accept that there's another one or that there could be another one. Like there has to only be one. You know, yeah. So, so these fans are just—they're just really pumped up on their league and their team, and just, just you, not even really being critical of it, just, just sharing like, hey, they're having a hard time drawing people, or the ratings are very, very low, and even the games I've watched, you know, on my own or with you, yeah, it's not a lot of fan attendance, right? No, but just pointing out, you know, the facts, they take that as. And it's just funny that you get to deal with it, in, you know, deal with it as a writer 
versus being like a fan and being the one making comments, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're you're getting to see people being defensive, you know? Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, you're right. Like everybody's tribal. Like I, I try to be as realistic about my Raiders as I can. But of course, I get defensive about stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just funny. to It's just funny to watch people just write these crazy comments. It's just like that's not even what you wrote, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It'll it'll just be completely non-related to what I basically was pointing out. Yeah. Or it'll it'll bring up some sort of some sort of like comparison or apples apples to oranges analogy. Yeah. It, like it, it's kind of amazing to see how how people try to defend themselves in their arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, not just for me, but all of our writers, all of our staff, the way they get challenged sometimes, just yeah. so that so, so just to prove that we can't count or we can't we're not we're like not even watching the same thing i it's 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 amazing to me i i just you know the thing is at the end of the day i don't care i have no dog in this fight i just want guys to be able to play and do well and have success my thing is is that i i have to be skeptical because we have never seen a spring league get past four years of existence besides, you know, the only thing that I could think of that really existed for a long time was the arena football league, you know, yeah. there's that, which had its own angle and to be fair, it had its own run of success, but you know, and then there's, there's the Canadians up in CFL, which I did not pay attention to at all until last year because the XFL started talking to them and thought about merging with them. So that's the only reason that I started even paying attention to them. Mm-hmm. And, I started finding out that there are very divided lines, even in that sector of, of the football community, which is really fascinating. It's like people, it's, it's really funny here. Also drawing the ire of Canadians too, like getting (laughs) like, you don't know my game. Why are you watching my game? What's wrong with you? You know, it's just like, it's like, fine. (laughs) I won't watch your game then. You know, sometimes I almost want to say that, but you know, it's like, I, I just I want guys to have opportunities. I guess want people to play well. I also just have to be realistic in saying like I want the product to be better. I want yeah. the situation to be better for these guys. I want there to be fans. I want there to be just some sort of measurement of like consistency of like hey, it's good. Like this is going to turn out all right, even if you know this one thing doesn't work out well because the NFL doesn't have that problem. Yeah. They, I mean, there always there always seems to be something that we think is a crack in the foundation or there's something going on with the owners or the players or some legal litigation or whatever. It doesn't matter because the the the, the foundation is so strong that it's almost like it's almost indestructible at this point. And these leagues don't have that. They don't have uh, the, the CFL, I guess, is the only one because it's been around for even longer than the, NX, the NFL has been. But even they've had their issues in recent years and they, and quite frankly, the thing that I always draw from is that they don't have as much talent, American talent as they used to, because the NFL wised up and said, Oh, you mean we can have players like Russell Wilson in our league. We can have guys like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, you know, or, um, you know, even a Hunter Renfro or Julian Edelman, because in the old days that wasn't the case. Like it's wild to me that Calgary had Doug Flutie and Jeff Garcia in the same room and their quarterback room at one point in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. that just, that's unf- like, that wouldn't have two pro bowl quarterbacks. Like that wouldn't happen today. The NFL right. would, the people would find those people. But in that, in those days it was all about like, well, you're not this size. You can't do this. You can't throw this way. You know, Warren moon had to go win five great cups until they were like, okay, fine. We'll give him a shot. 
you know, like that, that one was more to do with racism, I think. <laughs> right. That well, that's that's another part too. Right. You know, right. That's, that's why I mentioned like yeah. Lamar Jackson, for example. Yeah. It's just things have changed a lot right. since then. Yeah. We right. don't. I think a lot of those. I'm going to call them uh, money ball things uh, have gone out the window, like where it was all about, I guess, all these preconceived notions of like, you got to have this body type, you got to be this height, you got to have these hand measurements. Although I do think hand size as a quarterback is still pretty important, ironically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, that's one of the few. I mean, it is funny I, without going too deep into it. The QBs with the smaller hands historically haven't had as much success joe burrow's a big exception but that guy just completely just uh has uh overturned everything we thought we knew about football from last year um but yeah no it's it's really cool to it is really cool to see these leagues come in and hopefully it'll stick around for more than just three years where can people actually read your writing for the usfl so uh it's on well actually i write for three different leagues. So the XFL, the USFL and the CFL Mm -hmm. and all of them have are under one umbrella. It's basically news hub. So if you go to something like xflnewshub.com or usflnewshub.com or cflnewshub.com, it's all under those, Mm -hmm. uh, that one company It's run by run by one guy, one chief and editor who also does a YouTube show every Monday. His name is Mark Perry. He's, he's the one that gave me the opportunity to write for this stuff. And that's where you can find a lot of my stuff. I would say I have more USFL articles right now, mm-hmm. um, just based on the volume of things to talk about. Cause the XFL hasn't played yet. So it hasn't really gotten any, any steam, but I do have stuff under all three of those. Switching gears right now is like a slow time. So moving on to to different things, I got a bunch of different things we could talk about. Obviously, we don't have time for all of it, but uh, I'll just run down a list of things, and you just tell me what you want to talk about, man, since since we haven't caught up on uh, our sports in a while. So since last we potted, here's what's big items that have happened. NFL draft, Golden State Warriors beat Celtics in the finals. You had the NBA draft. You have NBA free agency. Uh... I haven't really been keeping up with baseball as much as I should, but just just checking in on Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani, these are some awesome baseball performances that are going on right now. Uh, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Gosh. Um, I mean, I I guess I have to get back into the, to the NFL draft at some point because it's been a few months, and we're, training camp is just around the corner, so we're getting yeah. – we're, we're, we're edging to, close, ever so closer towards – the season. Yeah. There's, it's just so interesting to see some of the fallout from four years ago, like in terms of like who, who has what quarterback on their roster. It's funny to see a team like Carolina have two guys that were drafted in the top three (laughs) in the 2018 draft on the same. You would think, you would think at some point you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. But it's just kind of funny how that, how much of a crapshoot that position really is and kind of looking at this year and how like, obviously this was like the do not draft quarterback yeah. draft all, almost of all time. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of interesting to see that there's like teams that it's like either have it or you don't, there's no in between really. It's like you either have your guy yep, or 
you're you're left scrambling. I I, I think we've moved into the era we should have moved into a while ago as far as how teams deal with quarterbacks. So let's look at that Cleveland and and Panthers trade for Baker, right? So Mm -hmm. Cleveland was smart enough to realize don't pay this guy. He's not your long-term answer, right? Now, I don't – you and I both don't like who they went for. Uh, Was Deshaun Watson before our last episode or right after? It might have been right after. I think it was very soon after. Yeah, it was right after – Disgusting. Uh, I, I think it's one of the most reprehensible things that's happened in my time watching football. But maybe that's a conversation for another day when it becomes a little bit more relevant to the season. But taking that aside, just looking at only at football, they should never have done it. But let's just look at football. They went for somebody that was clearly, you know, somebody that you could probably win playoff games with, maybe even a Super Bowl, right? So mm-hmm. they're moving in the right direction. The Panthers, likewise, are also kind of moving in the right direction, too, because when you don't have a quarterback, you got to throw as many darts at the board as possible, right, until something sticks. Yeah. You just have to. If I think you and I grew up in a right time for this, too, because that's what Seattle did with Russell Wilson. Nobody thought he was going to be what he was, right? But they they got a ton of QBs at that time, and he just happened to stick, right? But that's yeah, what you have to do. Yeah, I mean, they paid Matt Flynn in the offseason to be their starter, and right. then he lost to Russell Wilson. But you had that competition in camp, which ended up benefiting them. Like, you know, whatever, Matt Flynn contract went under, under, under the bridge, whatever, who cares? Like, you found your guy. That's, yeah. all, that ma- that's all that matters, right? Yep, yep. You won a Super Bowl, you almost won a second. Mm-hmm. You know, it was worth it. You know, that money was burned on, on Matt Flynn. It was worth it. So yeah. I, I think that's one of the more intriguing things but speaking of quarterbacks i feel like this year in the afc maybe it's just recency bias but i don't remember a time where there's so many good quarterbacks in one conference at one time i i I mean i hate it personally because it just means how much of a hellscape it is to try and even get through this gauntlet of a schedule but yeah it's I felt like all the good players were traded to the AFC yeah. this entire off, like this entire off season. Yeah. I think that was a big driver. Why Brady came back was because there's a, an opportunity to kind of sneak in deep in the NFC yet again for him. You yeah. know, they were pretty close to beating the Rams. I mean, they had to come back a pretty long way, but they were pretty close. You know, that game was getting a little bit interesting towards the end. That was that would have been the greatest live bet ever if oh, I won yeah. that. I was I was <laughs> forgot oh. about that. <laughs> my friend my friend had me going so hard and I was like I, I could I, I kinda and it's the the beauty of it was just like I believed him and I was like there was no, and there was no reason. There was no inkling or reason to even believe that for one second at yeah. that moment. I know it's Brady, but it's like I mean, they looked terrible for two and a half quarters and I just and I just basically was like, Yep, I go with you. Let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> it. It was starting to look like, oh, God, I cannot believe 28 to three is about to happen again. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, so the NFC is is and they're interesting their own right, just because you had a lot of talent leave and go to the other conference and it's kind of wide open, you know a lot of the teams that were kind of in it last year, I don't know, you know, this year, 
Like Green Bay, what are they really going to be like? San Francisco, what are they really going to be like? It's but at the same time, I could kind of say the same thing in in the AFC because it kind of feels like there's some there's some big teams that are ready for a big disappointment. The Chiefs being one of them. Um, I think it's going to be kind of hard for them to overcome this Tyreek thing, or it's going to take a time for them to adjust, and their competition got way harder. Yeah. Uh, all their division games are going to be fucking hard. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, the AFC West is just going to be a bar fight. Like, Yeah, they don't have to play John Gruden twice anymore. It's not two free wins. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean our our game. I'm I'm not. Our games are going to be hell. They're both like basically either going to be in overtime or or like nail biters. I think those Charger games are going to be the hardest for the Chiefs. I think they were that, la- yeah, yeah. Well, they were last year for them. I think those Charger games are going to be hard for them. I don't. I still think the Raiders are going to have a hard time with the Chiefs, but we'll see. Um, but I think you guys and the Broncos will continue having a hard time with the Raiders. Um, especially that pass rush. But yeah, I mean, it's fucking exciting. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I, at some point I was just like, I just, I, I was like, please stop trading good players into my conference. Yeah. Like even Tyreek Hill didn't even move out of the conference. I mean, I know he won't be that effective on the dolphins, but like he still stayed in conference. It's just like, okay. Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. I'm, yeah. Uh, I mean, even the draft, like, yeah, there weren't, like, a lot of high-profile quarterbacks, but there was a lot of good, like, blue-chip guys, I feel like. Like, Philly got a lot better just because they got uh, Jordan Davis. And they, I don't, I, the only thing that's going to limit them is Jalen Hurts Mm -hmm. and classic Philly. They think they have an all-star team or, you know, again, just like when Vince Young was like, man, we got an all-star team out here. It's same thing, but. They definitely are one of those teams as far as like, you know, our favorite thing, looking at the lines and stuff. They're going to be fun, you know, against teams that are pedestrian or kind of mediocre. They're going to look so good. They're going to be our classic, just looks great against pedestrian, terrible against playoff teams. And we'll know how to bet them every week. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I. I think their talent is outstanding. Uh, they're a team that yeah. I I really look forward to watching. Yeah, in the in the long term, I I still have my reservations about Nick Sirianni, and oh, yeah. I I yeah I mean Jalen Hurts is not their long term answer, but that's the thing. It's kind of just like I think they're just I almost feel like they're waiting until they get their guy, and I think they when they do plug him in, like they're set because I think they've uh, accumulated so many assets so so creatively in just a couple of years. I, I have to, I, I got to give credit to Howie Roseman. I was on, on the fence about him because I didn't like how he drafted receivers. Cause that's like the one thing he can't draft for some yeah, reason. Yeah. Like he can't draft receivers, but everything else he's done a fine job at. Um, I wanted Jordan Davis. They took him, they plucked him and then they were able to basically just get more assets in more creative manners. I, I really just, I, I love some of their later picks too. I think there's that guy they got from Georgia, uh, Nicobe Dean. Yep. Like, Nicobe Dean was hurt, but like they got him in the third round. I mean, if he stays healthy, like that's a steal. That's a yep. complete steal. Yeah, that's that's awesome. They drafted uh, Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska, their future center, because Kels, you know, Jason Kels is getting older. He's getting long in the tooth. He's going to be moving aside at some point. 
but yep. they've already they've already started to like make such a clear picture of the post Super Bowl team, which is is remarkable because it seemed like it, you know it was such a lightning in a ball bottle experience for them, and yeah. I have to get like I have to say they've done a good job of moving on from that because it looked like it was going to be a little dark there for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was looking pretty bad. I mean. I still don't really like how that GM runs things, but so far it's been pretty effective. Um, I They definitely have a – I think you and I talked about this last time. They're a pretty good shot at winning the division again. I think Dallas is still favored the last time I checked, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But I would take Philly. I think Dallas is – they're Dallas. They're going to fuck it up. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really curious to see how Dallas's defense changes because they got so many turnovers last year and they were very good at being opportunistic. I'm curious to see if they can do that again. Yeah, uh, their guys have to develop at being better at in, you know in coverage because Diggs, like you said, that guy was a turnover machine, but he gave up a lot of plays. He yeah, gave up a think, lot of plays. I think he gave up the most yards and most penalty yards of any, CB, of any CB at his position. Yeah, All right. But he gambled. He gambled a lot, and like historically, one thing I've seen enough times now is some of these DBs like that come into the league early on. They gamble a lot in the beginning, and that that works out in the short term. Mm-hmm. But long term, you know, people figure you out, and then you're you're out of the league pretty fast. So, I, but he certainly has the natural ability to you know improve. So. He definitely it's not like I think oh he'll he'll be washed, you know. But he certainly is gonna have to become a better cover cover corner if he wants to to last. Yeah. So but uh but speaking of the draft and the free agency and stuff like that, obviously these teams in the NFL have gotten a lot stronger. I think one big thing, and this will kind of move us into the NBA a little bit, you know, quarterbacks are more willing to move more than ever. And teams are more willing to move on from quarterbacks or take in a new one, kind of realizing that, you know, this is a, a way to actually improve quickly. Rams are your proof, right? Mm-hmm. They take they take Stafford, who we all thought, well, he's very good, but he's, he hasn't done jack shit. He wins a Super Bowl the first year. Now, a lot of things, we, we could talk about this for more one day, but a lot of things went their way, right? A lot of things went their way, but they did win, right? Yeah. And they, they were they were one of our Fugazi teams, you know, going into the playoffs, but they did win it all. And a lot of shit fell their way. Kind of could say the same thing for Tampa the year before, right? Brady goes there first year, and a lot of shit fell their way, right? Yeah. But that's kind of what the NFL has been the last few years. I'm trying to think who who won the Super Bowl before the Bucks. That was that was Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, that was their first one. Yeah, okay, yeah. And that's kind of like been the before that. That was the formula, right? You get the quarterback on the rookie deal, and you just crush everybody, right? For yeah. that one year. Uh, but that, it kind of feels like we're going to the get the get the veteran, uh, you know, above average to you know very good quarterback, and throw him into your your team. Yeah, I I think it's two one either one of those two ways. You get the veteran, or you get the rookie QB. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really a matter of which one, which one can roster build around better, yeah. the, better around the QB. Yeah. So, I mean, the chargers are doing that with the Herbert right now. 
and yep. they're just they're just pouring as much money into their assets and rebuilding their defense and trying to get an offensive line around him and just trying to build as much as they can around him as possible. Yeah. Uh, and the Bills did that with Josh Allen. Now Josh is making coin, but they had the same idea as well. So yeah. I, I, I both can work. It just is a matter of like which one comes to. I, I don't know. Like, I think it really, dep- uh, to me, like if you're bringing a veteran quarterback, you need the right ha- head coach. And I mean, McVay and Stafford were just like, that's a great pairing. Like yeah, that, totally. that made, it made sense. So yeah. that's also, that's also another part of it. Speaking of free agency, it's going pretty bad in the NBA. Andrew, um, let me catch you up on some things here. Uh, Utah jazz, uh, completely just, uh, uh, took Minnesota behind the uh, dumpster and uh, took all their cash. Just ran, just <laughs> ran them over with the train and then rolled it back. Jesus. You and I should have, you oh. and I should have had a, a call, like a cell phone call and just recorded it and put it that up. Oh. Who the fuck gives that many picks away for Rudy Gobert? My, my you, already pay, part- you already paid Anthony or Carl Towns. What the fuck? I, my favorite part is that the, the line in Vegas barely moved when they made that deal. <laughs> Like, if you're going to do that, you better be, like, 15 to 1 odds for the title. And I think they're, like, 36 or something. Like, not that great. That's My, such a that's such an important amount to pay for Rudy Gobert. Look, even if I wanted Rudy Gobert, here's the thing. He has a huge contract, right? Yeah. You're going to be paying him, I think it's into 2026 or 2027, something like that. Yeah, you have to pay him in a, and like and his and his number is big at the end. So it's not like it's it was all front loaded and it's like some salary dump, right? It's a lot of money. Yeah. And we're going away from centers. Like if you look at the if you look at the finals, right? You had Kavan Looney and Time Lord playing and they those were like kind of mid-level guys getting paid mid-level money. Good players like you'd want them on your team, right? Yeah, but they're like they're bargains because their value is very, you know, sound defense, some lobs, like not a whole lot of offense, just easy buckets. Right. Gra- grab boards. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Grab board. Gobert yeah. is like that. But like the luxury package at, mm-hmm. you know, the luxury packs it uh, at, at the Hyatt, you know, resort, which you don't need. It's not 1992. It's 2022. I just I don't understand what Minnesota's thinking. I and I, they already have a center. What is he going to be the bench and you're going to spend 200 or are you going to spend 100 million dollars a year paying two guys that play the same position? I feel like they paid for a 150-year-old bottle of Sauvignon Blanc and they got like restaurant apple cider. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how it feels. No, it, it feels like when you get the $20 bottle of wine at the grocery store, but when you go out to an uh, Italian restaurant, you're paying $60 for that same bottle. That's what mm-hmm. it feels like. Yeah. I, I just, what, what, I don't even want to call them stupid because, you know, we, we were, sometimes we're made out to look really foolish. I just want to understand why did they feel they needed to do this? Because it's not the asset that they need. And they gave up a lot for this guy. I, I have to echo a sentiment that I heard. Uh, I'm going to just give him credit to the Bill Simmons podcast. I think it was new ownership. I, I agree with him in that. I think they were just trying to make a big splash. Why? Like, but why is this being the big splash? Andrew. But why is this? <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, yeah, this is not the, the splash 
this is not the Shamu splash. This is th- that they were looking for. Like this is, I, I'm not quite sure what they see him doing as far as fitting in with cat who yeah. himself is also getting a lot of money and has his own flaws. Like you have two big guys who have two very distinctly different skill sets and then can't really account for the other side of their deficiencies. Like, and then you have Anthony Edwards. So it's like, I, they're tying their more they're mortgaging their future to three these three individuals for the foreseeable future and putting in a lot of money to those two big guys. This is going to be I mean it, it, I feel like it's just another version of Utah. Like they're going to be a regular season team. Well, like, yeah. That gonna, like that's how it feels. Like they're going to win maybe like 56 games and then make minimal impact. Yeah, I I don't th- their coaching is still bad, number 1. Their, their team doesn't know anything about winning. Rudy Gobert doesn't know anything about winning. But here's my thing. You don't even need another center. Why didn't you just trade the same draft picks and, say, D'Angelo Russell to Washington for Beal? Because at least then, now, okay, now you have, you have Towns, you have uh, Anthony Edwards, who's a stud, and then now you give him Beal. Okay, now, I, I mean, that team's still problematic, right? But like these guys could actually play with each other, like you know, I, I I don't understand why they couldn't find like I don't think he's available, but like go find someone like a Zubots, you know, for example, like go yeah. find someone who can just hit the boards, rebound. Like if you want Cat to play outside that badly on the perimeter, you don't need someone like Rudy Gobert to do that for you and pay that price. Like that that part is I, I have no idea what their offense is going to look like even if they weren't paying that price how does that make sense yeah i it just doesn't even make sense like let's just say they got him on like a a a bargain right like he's just on the team they didn't lose much assets for whatever reason it still doesn't make sense yeah Uh, i just i don't understand it uh so so the utah did you happen to see uh when royce o'neill before the the Gobert trade went down and uh, uh, Winhorst on uh, ESPN did this like mm-hmm. crazy like low key what's happening in Utah right now? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, his like his like two his like two minute horse whisperer yeah and, and like for the first time in, in first takes history, no one interrupted somebody who spoke more than ten seconds, which has got to be a record. Yeah, and they're all just like wait. Like, it was almost like Al Pacino, like, she's got a great ass. Because, like, everyone was just like, what is happening? Like, a bunch of them were, like, looking at each other like, this, that's not in the notes. You know? Like, yeah, what, like what's <laughs> happening right now? <laughs> did, did someone did someone get the wrong copy? Yeah, Somebody yeah. Back there? They're, like, look at, they're like looking at the production assistant just like, <laughs> what's he, what, 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 what teleprompter yeah. is he looking at? Yeah. This is when you look through the back window at the producers and you just you throw up your hands like what what are, like, what, are, what are we doing? Are we going to the commercial yet? Yeah, are we cutting this. <laughs> it was so good, and then of course, like I think it was like a day later, that's when uh, they traded Gobert. It was like just wild. It's like what the fuck? Yeah. Um. So you still have very bad GMing in the NBA. And speaking of bad GMing, the the we haven't had a chance to talk about this. KD and Kyrie asking for trades, even though they fucked up the entire team, is <laughs> gotta be. Th- th- this is actually the most fucking disgusting thing I've seen as far as like not considering like off the court, off the field, 
you know, domestic issues or crimes. This is actually one of the most, this is probably the most disgusting thing I've seen, like ever. Like, how can you demand a trade and then you're the one that fucked up the whole team? I will say the Nets did allow it, okay, because they wanted KD so bad. But yeah, they fucked up the team. Those two guys fucked up the team. I don't understand why we let players be GMs. Like, if you want input, that's one thing. But you're letting uh, you're letting Kevin like, Durant and Kyrie yeah. Irving to tandem deal run your team. You're you're letting a guy who you're letting Kevin Durant who world talent player but has in my opinion kind of an inferiority complex when it comes to <laughs> measuring himself up against some of the greats. No, really. Like he, he does. is like so he's so obsessed with not being second. It's gotten into his head. Like, he's the he most really, insecure athlete of this century, of the like 21st the, century. This he's guy the has most like insecure ten, guy ever. This guy has like 10 burner accounts, and he's going to go after some like guy on Reddit for saying that he didn't run hard enough like two nights in a row. And then you have Kyrie Irving, who's just a celestial psychopath. Like I, 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 he, he's, he's As I've heard here in Texas, Andrew, a genuine crazy person. Uh, like his words genuinely go through one ear and out the other. Like, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, man. Like whatever you want to spend today. Fine. You know? So I don't like, believe you got, a damn you got thing two, he says, like you got two <laughs> new media moguls on your team. And then they bring in James Harden, you know, they, they drink, they bring him in straight up from, from the strip club and are like, here, we need you to run point. Ironically, the most sane person in the room. Funny enough, yes. <laughs> actually, actually, you know, yes. you know when you, you know when strip club Harden is the most sane person in the room. Oh you need to look in the mirror. I, I just speaking I, we, of which, James Harden actually opted out of his own contract to help the Sixers. What is happening? <laughs> Did you see I that? Thought he th see, I thought he was trying to get more money, which I was like, no. But no. if he's actually going to take a bargain deal, then. I, I I think he's gonna take a a friendly deal. That's I commend him for that because I didn't think that's where it was going. But he's yeah. At least I don't think he has that in him. I maybe think he, he, had, he, he understands his own mortality finally. Um, yeah, I think he realizes he, he's got limitations <laughs> now. I mean, he's an older player. He's he's got a lot of mileage. Like he's well, played he just, he just, a shit ton of minutes. He doesn't put in the work. I'm sorry, but he hasn't put in. No, like, he hasn't. He hasn't yeah. put in the work for his for his physique that. Someone like Steph Curry has, who's just completely evolved his body to yeah. be able to account for some of the other skill sets that maybe not as like not as quick as he was when he's younger, but he's just so much more, you know, sentient on the on the basketball court. Yeah. But yeah, like I don't know. All all I got of this whole Brooklyn thing is I just think this makes the Golden State resume that much more impressive. Uh, uh, like you won a title without Durant. You plugged him in for two years. You won two more. You made him the centerpiece. Let your guys take a step back. He left. You rebuilt, and then you win another one without him. Like you, you ultimately won another one because of the trade you did in trading him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think right. I wrote this. I'm not sure that you saw it on on our Discord thing. Let's look at the last four teams that made the NBA Finals. You have, you have Golden State Warriors and Boston. Those teams were primarily built through the draft and sav and some savvy trades, mm -hmm. but their their keystone players were all drafted by that team, right? Yeah. 
Okay. The the previous year, you have the Milwaukee Bucks and and Phoenix. Same thing. Most of their marquee players were dra- were drafted by that team, right? And yeah, they made some savvy trades to bring in guys. So you have uh, Chris Paul and uh, Drew Holiday, right? Yeah, your point guards. Yeah, your point so. guards. But the other two, you know, of their of their big threes, right? They were they were pretty much homegrown. Uh, yeah. I guess I can't say that for Middleton. He was brought in from Detroit, but I mean, he really didn't no. play there. Well, no, yeah, he was. Yeah, he he almost was basically like drafted by them, almost. Yeah, I, I he's pretty close to homegrown, right? Yeah. And then of course Giannis. I mean, nobody knew what he was going to be. Milwaukee didn't know what he was going to be, but you know, it's funny. The te- the last four teams, most of their players, like their best player, is probably going to stay with that franchise for their entire career, with the exception of maybe Phoenix. But Steph, uh, Giannis, and Jason Tatum, I don't think those guys ever play on another team. Right? What yeah. did we what what did we learn? It's probably better just building a homegrown team and and picking guys that are committed to the organization and playing versus thinking that their their brand is more important than the organization. Cause like look, even even Jordan, right? His brand mm-hmm. was bigger than the organization, right? Yeah. But he still like participated in the organization. I just it's funny, I think almost every sports talk show is like, you know, Kyrie and Katie should sit down and watch The Last Dance. That's exactly kind of what I've thought before they were even saying it. Like, I think those guys should sit down and actually watch it on DVD so they can't just skip real easy. Like, DVD. Uh, VHS. No, VHS. VHS. Yeah, VHS. Like, they, they, they have to work for it if they want to skip. Yeah. Because those guys were bigger than the team, some of those guys, right? Like Rodman, uh, yeah. Phil, Phil Jackson, Michael, of course. But what what do they do? They were like, well, management wants to get rid of them, rid of us. Fuck those guys. Let's win this last one, right? This last dance. Yeah. Fuck those guys. What what is? It, of course, it's kind of poetic. What do what does KD and uh, Kyrie do? Trade us. Yeah, like we, we want out. Yeah. Also, did you hear that there's no trade market for KD? I I mean, what are they? Like, what are you going to give up for him? Like, that's the thing. You're going to give up a King's ransom for a guy who, you know, is playing well since purposes, but did have an Achilles tear, not, you know, three years ago. And like, like you said, do you really want him like running your franchise? You know, this is LeBron is such a, like, I hate to overuse this term, but he was such a unicorn in the idea of like him coming in and, and building your team. Like his pedigree of like, getting guys to play around him and getting it to work. I think a lot of players think at least guys maybe in like the top tier think they can do that. It's really goddamn hard to do that. Like unless you were like Jordan or LeBron or I guess like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or just, you know, just one of like the all time greats. I, I don't think you can just expect to do that, you know? And I think Katie thinks he can do that, but I don't think teams think that he can do that. I think that's the difference now. They've seen, and now they have a they have an example. They have exhibit A of like it didn't work, clearly, you know. I just think, and, and, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And like Golden State, Golden State. Well, I was just gonna say Golden State's the exception because they had such a foundation already without him that they could put him in there. But he didn't build that, you know. No, they were all there before him. 
Right. So, uh, by the way, toughest beat of the last five years, definitely Pat Bev. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just throwing this out there. We're, we are doing a segment on our podcast every week, the toughest beat of the week. <laughs> Pat Bev wins this week. <laughs> five trades in five years. Hey, the next five years are his, man. Remember who he told Steph that? Mm-hmm. Maybe he, maybe he meant the five years following the next five years. Maybe that maybe that's what he meant to say. <laughs> oh man, that guy is such a joke. That's another thing we missed in our in our little break here. Did you see him? Remember when he was on first take for a week? Uh huh. God. Oh, yeah. And he was he was just drilling the hell out of um, out of Chris Paul. Man, <laughs> talk about first take just going to the worst place. I didn't think it could go lower than Skip Bayless, but. Hey, Pat Bev, he answered the call. <laughs> they they just saw that low hanging fruit and they're like, ah, it's just it's too delicious. <laughs> Stephen A was like, hey, I'm Stephen A, the executive producer. <laughs> oh man. Stephen A Stephen A the commentator. Stephen A the GM. Stephen A the executive producer. I, I love JJ Reddick because he comes on and he just like he's spits good. Fi- he spits fire, and then like people are just like, it's almost like it's almost like too logical. Like for some people that can't comprehend on that panel, they're like, "Wait, this makes too much sense." I like that he just doesn't yell, and he's like, "So uh, I watched a lot of film before I got here today, and uh, that's just <laughs> not true. <laughs> this is what actually happens out there. That's kind of yeah. my favorite thing about him. He always shows up. He's like, so I watched a ton of film." And uh-huh. then he just starts going. <laughs> so I broke this down. And Stephen A is always like, wait, hold up. <laughs> you watch film before you come on this show? What? You watch the game? <laughs> I thought you were on Twitter all night. Uh, I was just there with a the microphone interviewing players after the game. Uh, I'm probably giving him too much shit to be honest, but I just like giving Stephen yeah. a shit. He he doesn't really. I don't know. I don't really learn anything ever watching that guy. I'll, I'll put it this way: I won't stop you. <laughs> well, it's a good thing no one's listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, all, all yeah. Yep. All seven of you. Six of all you. Seven. However many. Yeah. yeah. Lost count. <laughs> well. And we can talk. We can cut this out if you want or not. But I do have a couple other toughest beats of the week. And we'll we'll end it on this. In the same week, Japan's had a tough week, man. The creator of Yu-Gi-Oh, Kazuki Takahashi, dies after scuba diving. I haven't followed up much on the story other than he was scuba diving off the coast of Okinawa and he washed up and he was unfortunately deceased. And then yesterday. Uh, Shinzo Abe, the former prime minister, longest tenured prime minister, right? Assassinated mm-hmm. in Nara, which you and I visited together, what, five, six years ago now? Yeah. Literally one of the most peaceful places I have ever been to. Maybe the most peaceful place I've ever been to. And he's killed in Nara. Um, yeah, really sad. Um, I actually just learned this evening, too. It wasn't even like a, a typical gun. It was a homemade shotgun. Um, uh, yeah, we just, I know gun violence is not shocking because we're American, but you and I, as people who, you know, really like J- Japan and Japanese culture, it is genuinely shocking that someone was assassinated in Japan with a weapon like that. It just, 
it doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shocking. Honestly, it's shocking. It, the, the news just floored me because it's so difficult to get your hands. It's virtually impossible for you to get your hands on any sort of gun or any sort of gun related paraphernalia in Japan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this guy essentially jerry rigged a handgun, um, a bunch of different materials. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but he was able to do this in just plain ba- daylight in the yeah. middle of a, a, a campaign speech from Abe, who had retired as the prime minister a couple of years ago because of, um, I think, issues with his, I think it was a bile duct issue. So he yeah. basically, he had medical issues, so he wasn't able to do his thing. But uh, yeah, I, it's it, it's it was like unfathomable to have that kind of crime happen there. And for a, a, a country that has such prevalence of keeping peace of mind and keeping things consistent of just being able to feel like there's always it's always safe there's no violence there's no mm-hmm. threat of violence and to see a guy who is part of this i can't the, he's basically part of like this underground coalition of this like uh cultist uh japanese party or faction i have to do some more research into it but it, it, it's it's almost it's actually really ironic because you were mentioning um, you were mentioning Takahashi and basically he was so, he actually made a lot of like posters and propaganda against Abe. He was one of the most outspoken critics of Abe mm-hmm. as far as just voting him out. Nothing, you know, not doing anything against him, obviously nothing violent. He was just didn't like his policies and mm-hmm. didn't like the way he ran things. And he very ardently did not want it, him to, so to like have him, die the way he did literally like in 24 hours. And then for Abe to have that to happen to him, it's just like just cosmic. Uh, it's, it's so bizarre. I, I'm really worried how the media is going to handle this because mm-hmm. I don't know what they're going to look into or how they're going to react this way. The people, obviously it wasn't the first, interestingly enough, the first thought that was done from, at least from my group channels was, was it a minority that did it first? Because Japan has had such a unique history with foreigners, obviously, and people said being an Island nation, obviously being so predominantly Japanese in their, in their ethnicity. Um, that was kind of like the first thought of like, well, is it, was it somebody from the outside that did it? It wasn't, it was a Japanese guy, but still to have sort of this just, this sort of crime done is, is just harrowing. And I, I'm not exactly sure what this is going to lead to, but yeah, I, I I was really at a loss for words this morning. Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of searching for the word, like when it's somebody that people like, I wouldn't say is the, as a divisive figure. Abe was definitely somebody that I wouldn't call him. Oh, the word I'm looking for is not divisive or controversial, but he was definitely a guy, it seems like, people of Japan were very split on. People mm-hmm. really disagreed with his policies or really agreed with his policies. So it was definitely a delta between people. There weren't... It didn't seem to me there were people in the middle that were like, I like some things about him, some things they don't, you know, about Abe. 
people were pretty it was two camps on him but the one thing i'll say about him is he was in power for a long time he definitely was very influential in the country especially globally Mm -hmm. Uh, you know so whatever you want to say about him positive or negatively he was someone who shaped you know japan's you know destiny for a long time um and just to kind of see him gone like that i think is uh obviously sad because it's a human life and you know he had loved ones and all that stuff but i think it's sad for the japanese people because he is somebody that was shaping the country whether you agreed with it or not for a long time and he's just kind of gone and i think that uh i think they're gonna have a, a hard time for a while not because he just died but it just because of what it means in the country so i think it's it's sad um politically and socially obviously i think uh equally as sad as death is takahashi for Yu-Gi-Oh. i think he's had a a, a non-controversial uh, existence and i think he's been a mostly positive force in in a lot of young people's lives and particularly people like you and me who played Yu-Gi-Oh when we were kids and mm-hmm. i know one of the people i've had on this podcast ryan uh we probably wouldn't be friends without Yu-Gi-Oh. that's kind of how we met and i would say for me personally it's something that helped me build you know critical thinking strategies um kind of helped me develop the joy of like putting together a deck a strategy putting you know cards together to make an effective make an effective deck and uh yeah he'll be missed he'll be missed and uh it sucks to see him go but he definitely lives on in the game and you know the people he uh positively effective yeah i mean he he got me into the to the concept of playing card games mm-hmm. and playing playing competitively playing as you said strategically and just getting me more involved with the culture that i i, I continue to love and be yeah able be able to, to cherish you know i mean I, I played the game i watched the show uh, we still watch a, a, an excellent abridged series yeah. on that on that show to this day. Um, I can't imagine what's going through Lil Karibo's head um, on yeah. this subject, but you know this 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 man has had a tremendous impact on my life uh, from a media standpoint, and just to s- see that happen to him is so unfortunate. Doing some, you know, just going on vacation, you know, just doing something fun, yeah, and for it to be so and so tragically is is sad and. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. it's been it's been a weird week, and it was yeah. a very 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 challenging twenty four hours for for that country and for a lot of people in that country. So um, yeah, no. we'll we'll see what we'll see what unfolds. Yeah, we will. But uh, ending on a high note, I definitely want to have us keep doing this. I'm not sure when we're going to do the next episode, but uh, we're we're definitely trying to get back in the swing of things. And football season's right around the corner. And, uh, you know, we're actually going to be together for that first, uh, Sunday, at least in the morning. So, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to connect, uh, that night or something like that, uh, for week one and, uh, or at least before week one. And, uh, we're, we're getting back in the swing of things, man. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. Glad we can finally get back at it. I mean, like I said, training camp's right around the corner. So yeah. Yeah. it's about to start kicking in the gear. Right on, man. All right, we'll do this again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks.